Well, we're in the series called Sometimes, and today I want to talk about Sometimes I Am Not Thankful. We could entitle it Sometimes I'm Not Grateful. One of the things that really bothers me is the response that you now hear when you say thank you to someone. Instead of the old-fashioned, you're welcome, we now mostly hear, no problem. And as I checked out a couple of turkeys yesterday at the grocery store, I wanted to scream, of course it's no problem. I'm a gentle person. I am not angry. What I have caused you to become involved in is part of your job for which you are paid and is not really that taxing on your abilities. But the real issue isn't people saying no problem instead of you're welcome. The real issue is how seldom you ever hear people say thank you. And as I was thinking about this all week, God said that this was true even in my relationship with him, that I am not expressing thanks to him for who he is and all that he does for me. When I do something for someone, I always appreciate it when they thank me for my time, my work, my concern, my effort. It's always nice when you feel appreciated for who you are, appreciated for what you have done. And the other day, I went a little above and beyond what would normally be expected of a person, and the people involved, who I was ministering to, thanked me for taking the time to be there for them and for caring and sharing. It feels good when I know I'm appreciated, not just for what I do, but for who I am. Well, it's the same with God. Have you ever wondered why do human beings like to be thanked and appreciated? Well, it's because God likes to be thanked and appreciated, and we were created in his image. God appreciates people expressing heartfelt gratitude, a thankfulness for who he is and what he has done or is doing in their lives. And because human beings were created in his image, we also appreciate or like being thanked, being appreciated. So the summary of my point here as I start this talk on sometimes I'm not thankful, sometimes I'm not grateful, is that people like to be thanked and praised because that is how we were made, how we were created. God made us in his image, and he wants to be thanked and praised, and he made us to desire to be praised and thanked and appreciated as well. And I think he made us that way if only to send us a hint that he wants the same as we do. So there's a realization leading to a decision here. I think I'm fairly good at thanking people. I think I'm fairly good at expressing appreciation for who they are and what they have just done for me. Of course, Everything can stand a little improvement. But as all of this slowly dawned on me regarding my relationship with God, touching my heart, touching my head, I realized that at times I tend to be a moaner and groaner or a complainer and a grumbler. I tend to be ungrateful. I tend to be unappreciative in my relationship with the Lord. And I decided that developing the habit of thankfulness towards God needs to be part of my daily life. 
something that flows from my heart regularly and quite naturally. In other words, without forcing it, it becomes part of my lifestyle. So I've decided that every morning when I wake up, I now will spend five to ten minutes being thankful for who God is and who I am because of who he is. And that every evening before falling asleep, I'm going to take five to ten minutes to thank him for everything. Everything that has taken place since I was last asleep. It did not take long to run across some verses to reinforce that decision. First Chronicles 17 verse 16. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that you have brought me this far? Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways! Or the Passion Translation reads, Romans 11.33, Who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depths of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decision? or search out the mysterious ways he carries out his plans. Another verse I discovered was Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. But the verse that really hit home and hit hard is Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Or the Passion Translation says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. So thanksgiving, gratitude. And it says, in everything, in the good, the bad, and the ugly, give thanks. Express your heartfelt thanks and gratitude to God. Remember that, remembering that even the bad and the ugly help you to develop character and are part of you becoming mature and wise and more like Jesus. Tests and trials help to develop our character and allow God opportunity to show himself strong on our behalf. Or as one retired pastor wrote, trials have made me who I am. So the Bible says in everything. So we thank him for what he has done. We thank him for what he is doing in our lives. And we do that even when we already know that he knows that we're thankful deep inside. Because he needs to hear us express our thanksgiving. He needs to hear us express our gratitude. In the same way, when we are praying about some needs in our life, he already knows what you have need of 
even before you ask, but he wants you to ask, to express what you believe your needs to be. And so God, even though he knows we are thankful, even though he knows we have this gratitude within us, he wants us to express it. God loves gratitude. God hates ingratitude. And as I've been discovering, being thankful, having gratitude, is something we have to learn. That is why we teach children to say, thank you, as it does not come naturally. Martin Luther, who lived between 1483 and 1546, said, See that you do not forget what you were before, lest you take for granted the grace and the mercy you received from God, and then forget to express your gratitude each day. So let's look at a familiar Bible story where Jesus heals ten lepers, and it's an amazing display of God's grace and God's mercy, and we have some lessons to learn from it about expressing gratitude and thankfulness. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, we're going to read verses 11 to 19. So Gospel of Luke, the doctor, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to the Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So let's just bring out some points that relate to our being thankful and expressing our gratitude for what God has done and is doing. And we'll pull those points directly out of those verses. Number one, there's a right approach to God that we would do well to take to heart. These lepers cried out, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy or pity on us. Mercy, of course, is the opposite to grace. Grace is receiving what you do not deserve, like salvation in Jesus Christ. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve, like punishment and hell. And so the lepers come to Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on us. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the first thing we focus on, the first thing we ask for when approaching the throne of grace and the presence of our Heavenly Father, the first thing we focus on, the first thing we ask for is mercy. 
The approach for the lepers and for us is to seek for and ask for mercy. So here's my question as I meddle a little bit. When was the last time you prayed for mercy? But more than that, it should be the first thing we pray for when approaching God. It should be the humble attitude in which we come to prayer. Because we don't deserve his attention. Actually, we deserve the opposite. So mercy is needed because mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. So this can be difficult because we live in a time when we have an entitlement mentality. And most people today, admit it or not, have a mentality that says, I am entitled to this or that. This is my right. That is my right. And so because we have this entitlement mentality, we often, in fact almost always, approach God and forget to ask for mercy. I think the second thing we can note from these verses from the Gospel of Luke is that they cried out. They cried out. When a person, like the lepers, is really desperate, they cry out in prayer. Prayer takes on an intensity, an emotion it doesn't take on in most days. When a person, like the lepers, is really desperate, it means you pray more than to pray loudly, which is what the majority of Christians don't even do that. We tend to be very quiet when praying, like being quiet is more holy. But it means more than to pray loudly. To cry out means to engage in prayer with your whole being. To be seriously engaged in your act of prayer, body, soul, and spirit. To be active and in gear, not passive. To pray expectantly, to pray anticipating. To pray as if it all depended on God, because in reality it does and sort of to lean into God with your whole heart. So to cry out means that you cannot be passive, and you cannot be casual about prayer. Now that's a far cry from the way we pray most days. And we don't always pray most days even. So we need to cry out, which also includes praying in a loud voice. I witnessed this overseas when attending prayer meetings. Wow, they know how to pray. They know how to grab hold of God and engage with God with their whole being. And you have to ask, so why a loud voice? After all, God is not deaf. Well, he responds to us when in our desperation we pray, and people in desperation tend not to talk in a whisper, tend not to talk quietly. They tend to cry out. Desperate people tend to pray more loudly. God isn't deaf, very true, but he's not nervous either. I think the third thing we need to pull out of this, these few verses from Luke's gospel, is that they did not make a demand. They did not demand that Jesus heal them. They asked for mercy. Again, 
somewhat difficult in this time when people feel entitled. When you feel entitled, when you have this entitlement mentality, you tend to demand your rights, demand what you want, demand what you need. In our time, most people believe they have the right to be healed because they're followers of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Is a plea for mercy. The leper is realizing, I don't deserve it, but... The leper knows he cannot demand this from the Lord. You plead for mercy when you feel utterly helpless. You plead for mercy when you know that you have no bargaining power with God. You plead for mercy when you are desperate. So my third point is they did not make a demand. They did not feel entitled to make a demand. Number four, our gratitude, our remembering to be thankful, is in direct proportion to our sense of feeling unworthily blessed. In other words, receiving and sensing so much of his grace and mercy which we do not deserve. So our gratitude, point number four, is remembering to be thankful and that that remembering is a direct proportion to our sense of feeling unworthily blessed. In other words, receiving and sensing his grace and mercy, which has blessed us more than we deserve. Jesus could have ignored the ten lepers, but he didn't. God's sovereign blessing, being there for us when we don't deserve it, should give us a keen sense of gratitude. Our gratitude, then, is going to be in proportion to our sense of awe that God did what he did so graciously and not because he had to. So a feeling of, why me? A feeling of, wow, God. Paul the Apostle understood this. As he shares his testimony, he states, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy. That's 1 Timothy 1, verse 13. So, number five, our fifth point pulled out of these verses from Luke's Gospel is that our praise and thanksgiving are determined by our understanding of mercy. The leper cried out for mercy with a loud voice, and he came back and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face in worship and in deep gratitude. Let me read it to you again, Luke 17, 5, 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now... He was a Samaritan. I mean, this man was so, so, so thankful. Are we? Honestly, are we? 
Often I feel like I am one of the nine who did not return to give thanks. I cried out believing that I deserved his help or his healing, that this is my right as a believer to be healed, to be helped, to be delivered. And maybe, maybe I just forgot to thank him, that I took everything he has just done for me for granted. But then I noted that the one who returned to give thanks was a Samaritan, one who was an outcast, not part of the covenant that the Jews had with this God, where he had promised healing to them. So the outcast, the non-member of the covenant, remembered to come back and give his, express his gratitude and thanksgiving because he was not promised healing as the other lepers had been in the covenant because he's a non-covenant member. And then I'm even more embarrassed by my lack of gratitude and thanksgiving because I'm a member of the new covenant. And yet I'm living like an unsaved sinner who often is more thankful for what God has done than I am as a disciple and a follower. And then point number six, God notices gratitude. And when you're not grateful, Jesus asked the Samaritan leper, now healed, were there not ten? In other words, Jesus, Jesus noticed the other nine did not return to give thanks. God knows when I take God and his many daily blessings for granted. And God knows when I have often not expressed my gratitude and thankfulness when I should have. God knows because God notices gratitude. And then the seventh point of eight is that your mood, the space that you're in, is not the issue. Showing gratitude when we are happy is easier to do than when you're sad or when you're down or having a bad day. However, even when happy, showing gratitude can still be an inconvenience and a bit of a sacrifice, even if you were member to do it. So God likes it when we thank him when we're in a happy mood, but he likes it even more when we keep saying thank you and we express our gratitude even when we're in a down state of mind and we're not feeling thankful. Because then this is a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13 verse 15. We're praising him, thanking him, expressing our gratitude for his mercy and his grace because of who he is, even in the midst of our adverse circumstances and trying times. So it has more, more of our heart in it than when we just do it when it's easy and we're feeling good about it. One of the lessons from the book of Job is to be thankful, filled with praise, even when deep in pain, feeling unnoticed, feeling unloved, and feeling alone. So we need not to count on our mood or the space that we're in. That's never the issue. Because even when things are not going right, we can give a sacrifice of praise and express our gratitude and thanksgiving. And then last but not least, number eight, it is simply our duty to praise and to thank him. 
So I want to look in closing at the parable or the story before the healing of the ten lepers. So again, still in Luke chapter 17, but we're going to read verses 7 to 10. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? No. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? No. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. So the servants worked all day. Then they came home and prepared the master's supper, dressed properly, and then served the master his supper. And the master does not thank them because of this, because this was what was expected of those who serve. As the servant said, we have only done what was our duty. So in the next passage about the ten lepers, we notice that Jesus did not command the leper for coming back and thanking him for mercy received. Jesus, in reply to the Samaritan leper who came back and said thank you, said to him, were not all ten cleansed? So where are the other nine? In other words, here's my point, that one leper who came back was only doing his duty in coming back and praising Jesus. So there was no extra well-done, good and faithful servant to him because he was only doing what the Master requires. When we remember to praise him, when we remember to express our gratitude, when we remember to be thankful, we're only doing what is expected of us as believers and followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gratitude and being thankful is a duty and a privilege not to be rewarded. So in my walk with Jesus, I'm working to be much more thankful regarding who God is in my life, who God is, period, and what he has and what he is doing. And I'm working harder to express my gratitude, to cry out in gratitude, at least in the early morning and in the evenings before I go to bed. And hopefully, hopefully, as this becomes a way of life, I will be frequently thankful even during everyday activities. In other words, I would like my heartfelt gratitude to be an underlying foundation of all that I do in all of my life.